Across the United States, Indigenous families are searching for their loved ones. For closure. We would tell each other, what, what do you think she said? And what was her last words, you know? Did she cry for help or did she pray? The missing and murder Indigenous women. Alka, this is Mary. Ketanani, this is Sylvia. And, and welcome, welcome to the Native, Native Sisters Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Native Sisters Podcast. We're Hi here, guys. We're here for episode three. We're excited. We've um, we've had 436 downloads so far for the podcast. Um, super exciting. We're super excited. <laughs> um, also, we're working on getting our website up. We're working on getting some merch, some t-shirts, maybe some other stuff. Some pin or buttons. Stickers, maybe. That's pretty much it for the updates about the podcast. Um, we wanted to give a quick shout out to a local Kumeyaay-owned business that um, we want you guys to check out. It's called Kumeyaay Revolt 1775 dot com that's where you can get their uh they do t-shirts stickers, stickers um, stuff like that so they're kumiai owned business if you guys are into that um you can check them out on instagram and facebook at kumiai revolt also so i wanted to start today's podcast out um talking about so locally in san diego county a chula vista woman maya malete went missing um and they just arrested her husband larry malete this week for the murder of her although they haven't found her body or they haven't found her um sylvie knows a little bit more about it than i do i don't know a whole lot more i just um so she went missing and they've served like a couple different search warrants on their house where he still lives with their kids. Well, up until this week. Um, but he's saying that she just went missing, left her family on her own. And he doesn't know what happened to her. And he pled guilty yesterday in court. I mean, not guilty. So he's probably not talking, not saying anything. But they're doing um, a search for her looking for her body since they think that she's murdered um, in Anza Borrego tomorrow. Um, I guess by Julian, kind of like the backside of Julian, which is in the mountains of San Diego County. And um, I signed up for <laughs> to be a volunteer to search. I'm not going to make it tomorrow, but um, I guess maybe I was guessing maybe since, you know, he was arrested, they maybe got a lead. I don't think he's talking. I just think maybe they got a lead, and that's why they're going to do another search for maybe her. Maybe they had him on camera or something. I don't know. I, I seen on the news that they were looking, or they were asking the public if they saw his car anywhere on January 8th that they needed to contact him. So maybe somebody gave him a lead or something. Possibly. I asked, like, a couple people about this. Like, oh, did you hear that? Um, they arrested her husband. They're like, I haven't even heard about that. 
Like, yeah. oh man. I was I like, know. I was surprised how many people didn't know because it was on the news yeah, here in San Diego. you know what? And remember when we were driving through Pine Valley and I found her flyer laying on the ground and I picked it up? Yeah. And so I think that they, they, um, they searched like Ocotillo, maybe McCain Valley, which is really close to us for her because I guess they frequented the desert. I guess. I don't know. Or maybe that was one of the last places that she went. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, but I hope they find her. I know. Definitely hope they find her for closure for the family and and so that he can rot in prison. <laughs> yeah. Bastard. For real. <laughs> um, and then also the Gabby Petito, which is like met national news Um. I also I heard on the radio this morning that they found nine bodies looking for Brian Laundry, and I'm like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> nine nine bodies? bodies, yeah. In the search for him or yes, her for him. Oh, okay. Because they were searching all these national they did parks. They found one in Wyoming, right? When they were looking for her, I think so. I think they did. So it took. It, I know. It, although we want to, you know, we do want justice for Gabby Petito. It you know, angers a lot of native people because we have so many missing and murdered indigenous people and it never meets national news. Why do you think her case is so nationwide? I don't know. Because she's a beautiful white Caucasian woman. Okay, but there's other beautiful white Caucasian women that are missing too that they didn't just mainstream. I don't know. I was thinking maybe it was her family who her family knew. Or maybe it was because she was like a, she had like a YouTube channel. Yeah. And she was like social media. She was an influencer. influencer. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know. But it definitely, her story. Well, yeah. The first time I've ever heard about her was when she was missing. Yeah. Well, I heard from, on Morbid, on Morbid Uh, Podcast, uh because she listened to Morbid and then Morbid said that she was missing. Yeah. I didn't hear that one, (laughs) but I, I heard about her in the news. Yeah. If you guys haven't listened to Morbid Podcasts, they're amazing. I love them. They're the awesomest podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they're my favorite podcast. Um, they're our influence. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, it's it, it is frustrating for our people. A lot of definitely. yeah. I hear a lot of um people that are frustrated about it. Yeah. But I mean, they still, you know, give their condolences, but they really just want to look into a lot of other stuff instead of this. So we're going to get into the case for today. Um, I worked on this case and I really got deep in there and reading all these articles and trying to find as much information as I could. And this woman I'm covering, her name is Mary Johnson Davis. (laughs) And my name is Mary Johnson so it definitely is kind of, you How know. How weird is that to yeah. research somebody with the same name as you? <laughs> it, it, it was a little um, weird for me to do that, but this story needs to be told. So Mary Johnson Davis. Um, Davis was her maiden name. She so was not a hyphen? No. It wasn't. I didn't find any information so on it being her, hyphenated. That was her maiden name was Johnson. Yeah. The maiden name was Davis. Oh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Mary was born 
August 31st, 1981, and she was 39 years old when she went missing. That would make her 40 years old today. Mary was a member of the Tulalip tribe in Washington State, north of Seattle. Tulalip tribe is a federally recognized tribe. It has approximately 2,500 to 2,800 enrolled members. The Tulalip has approximately 22,000 acres, which is about 35 miles. And the reservation is adjacent to the western border of the city of Marysville. Hmm. It's important to know. You actually grew up near a town called Marysville also. That's weird. Yeah. Mary, Marysville. I know. That's true. Coincidence? I don't know. Yeah. Um... Washington State, I wanted to include this information, was rated the second highest in the nation for missing indigenous women cases in urban centers, and Seattle rated first among cities nationwide in missing murdered indigenous women and and girls cases. And her husband was reported to be, her and her husband were reported to be not in a good place. And Mary was staying mostly with friends and returning home every few days, pick up her mail, take a shower, and then head out again. Um, There was a source that Mary told a friend she was worried her husband was moving to California with their shared belongings. So they were having issues. It didn't specify what type of issues they were having, but they weren't getting along. She wasn't really staying there. She was in and out of the house. Mary did not have a driver's license or a vehicle. Did she have a job? I didn't see any sources that said she had a job. But she did um, receive income from her tribe. And all, a lot of the resources said welfare, but they do have, I looked it up, they do have a casino, they have, they have a lot of resources, their tribe, a lot more than most tribes. Um, on November 24th, her estranged husband dropped her off with a suitcase at a friend's house in Tulalip Reservation. We're going to call this friend Larry. Mary's friend Larry drove her to the Tulalip Tribal Court to get legal advice, but no attorneys were available that day. There was uh, sources that a security guard spoke to her that day did confirm that she was there. This is November 24th. And this is where things get a little bit confusing. That's why, um, so Larry, I just called him that. That's not his real name. They didn't specify people's, their, her friend's name, names, because there's multiple people in this story. Okay. Okay. So I named them Larry, Moe, and Curly. So you're going to hear me say those names. Hopefully you don't get confused. So Larry, Larry was the friend that drove her to the, the courthouse. Yes. Or tribal court. Tribal court. Okay. On November 25th, which is the next day, Mary planned to get a ride with her friend Larry to a nearby church the next day. And then another friend, Curly, was supposed to pick her up. And then they were going to take her to her, it was a couple's house, her other friends in Oso. Mm-hmm. Oso, Washington, which is about 30 miles away. So Mary spent the night at Larry's house. There was also another man there and his, Mo. Okay. That's the other guy. 
with her other friend. So Mary, Larry, and Mo, they all stayed at the house. The next day, she was supposed to get a ride with Larry to the church. So the next day, Mo wanted a ride too. So Mo and Mary are sitting in Larry's truck and they were waiting impatiently. Um, so Larry got upset that they were like waiting for him and I guess he got a little bit angry and he kicked them out of the truck. And so he didn't drive them to the church. Mary and Mo just started walking. They started walking east on foot on Fire Trail Road. Her friend Curly arrived at the church to pick her up, but she wasn't there. So Curly started driving up Fire Trail Road where he saw Mary and Mo walking and he just drove past them. And he texted her saying that he wasn't able to fit her and her friend in the car, that he didn't have enough space. So he wasn't expecting another passenger? Yeah, he wasn't. Okay. So he just drove past and he didn't give her a ride. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because he had too much stuff in his car. Okay. Okay. And a little later, at approximately 1.52, Mary texted him saying she was almost to the church. Text the guy that passed her up on the road? Yes. Okay. This was the last text she sent according to her phone records. This friend and Mary spoke every day for the month before her disappearance. So Curly and Mary, they spoke frequently. The man walking with her told detectives that he went to a friend's house nearby and Mary kept walking towards the church alone. Okay. And he said he hasn't seen or heard from her since. But he was the last one to see her. Yep. Okay. Before her disappearance, Mary left a voicemail with the couple, the couple's house that she was supposed to go to. She called them and she left a voicemail. And it was reported that she sounded desperate and she was asking her friend to pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. So she did have a cell phone with her when she disappeared? Yes, she did. The couple said that Mary never arrived at their house. At 2.30, she did make a phone call to a friend um, who Mary... Um, She called and she told Mary that she couldn't talk. That was a very short phone call. She said, I'm busy. I can't talk. Or I don't know. I don't know the exact words. It was Mary's friend. Yeah. It was, I believe it was a lady. And she called and they couldn't talk. So they just hung up. Okay. That was at 2.30 p.m. Police believe someone picked up Mary because about an hour after her last phone call, it connected, her cell phone connected to a tower in Oso area. So this is on the reservation, right? Yes, but where the fire trail road is, it's right at the border of the reservation. Right at the border. Like okay. it goes, like you guys can't see. <laughs> but it's, it's right ja- at the border. It's adjacent, it's adjacent to, to the, the res. Yes. And non-res. Yes. Okay. The police did believe that someone gave her a ride because she was at the phone connected in Oso area an hour after her last phone call and it was too great of a distance for her to have walked that quickly because it was 30 miles. They're like, okay, she couldn't make it there within an hour, 30 mm. miles walking. Yeah. So somebody had to give her a ride. 
Um, the phone was shut off for a period of time, then later connected to a tower, tower <laughs> in Greater Marysville to Laylip area. That was at approximately 8.50 p.m. So like six hours later. Yes. It remained in that location until the next morning when it was powered off. Months later, the phone's never been activated again. I never found. Nope. So this was November 25th was the last day that she was seen and heard from. Mary's husband reported her missing on December 9th, 2020. 14 days later. Okay. Dang. Two weeks. Yeah. There was a report that her husband had a pre-typed statement that he, before he, when he called the Tulalip police. I feel, I find that really odd. Like, why would you need to pre-type something? And why would you wait two weeks? I understand, like, okay, they were They're having strange. problems. Like, they yeah. were kind of separated pretty yeah. much. So maybe he doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know what he's yeah. doing. She's doing her own thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Who knows and during this doing. time, like, her family didn't know she was missing until this day, till November. So or December 9th. Days later. Her family didn't even know. That is odd. Um, so the husband told detectives they usually talked every two days. Um, so he was in, uh, had a lot of concerns because he found out that she wasn't collecting her checks from the tribe or from her house because the checks would get mailed to her house. And then she'd come and pick them up and leave like what she was doing. But she didn't pick up her checks in two weeks. And, um, I, I, it's so, it's stressful because not the check thing, but like, say two people are married or together and then they're like on a break and nobody's watching over them. Yeah. So, and like, they're kind of like pushed back from their family. I feel like they don't want to talk about it. So they're not really talking to their family and then they're not talking to their other half. So like cases like this that that's like where it goes bad because they don't communicate and then like we don't we wouldn't know like if one of our sisters went missing because and maybe she was lying to her family about what she was doing because she didn't want them to know what she what was really going on like if she was seeing a different guy she didn't want to tell them so she would make up these lies about what she's doing that's not even what she's doing yeah i feel like that happens a lot and there were, there were some sources that said that she may have had some substance abuse issues that she was working on. And that was the reason why she was going to Oso was because that couple that she stayed with would help her get clean. And, exactly. You know, that there was a good place for her to be. People, like when they're on a break from their other half yeah. and they're just going off on all these things that they usually wouldn't do. Yeah. So... Um, her husband, you know, realized she wasn't picking up her checks and that she had thousands of dollars worth of uncashed checks. Just within how long? Well, two it weeks? was only two weeks. Yeah. How do I don't you have know. thousands of dollars worth of checks? It's not like a monthly check. I don't, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't talk about how much per cap they get. <laughs> well, I know, but, but like if it's one check. Well, that's what it is. That was a source. And this is coming from the police department. Their, um, their articles that they released. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how true that is. And the detectives 
did release a lot of this information about what happened. Like the two men, this is from the police department. They're the ones that release this information. How so true is it? I don't know. Curly and Larry were both questioned. Yes. And released. Yeah, they had to be. Mary was last seen November 25th, 2020. So almost a year ago she went missing. Also, uh, I wanted to include that her husband, he moved to California the same day or the day after he reported her missing. I don't know, I find that really odd. Um, and especially because he pre-typed that statement. And we don't police. know his name, so we can't like look yeah, him up and I think Facebook they kept stalk it. him. <laughs> they kept it private. And they kept the names of all these individuals private also. Um, and then also in the, some of the interviews of her sisters, they said that they didn't even really do a big search for her sister, that they did have the cadaver dogs one time, and they said that they um, they seemed like they were they cared in the beginning, but now it's just like they don't care anymore and they're not helping the, you know. And I think that a big part of it is because it's on the border of the reservation, so the jurisdiction, the jurisdiction. Is so, oh, who has jurisdiction over this? And oh, well, we're and not going to do know it. The it's on the reservation spot on that road where she went missing. They don't know the exact spot. Yeah, they don't even. It well, I mean, it kind of sounded to me like maybe the sisters don't think that she's off of that road. Like they think that she left. She got picked up by somebody. And went into Oso, but didn't make it to their friend's house in Oso. So, like, I mean, technically she could have been not missing until days after. Possibly. But she had her phone with her, and her phone was off the next day. Or that night, it was, that was the last time her phone was on. Yeah. I don't, I should have did a little bit more research on the Oso... area yeah to see what type of town it was i don't really i didn't look up the town to see what type of area it was but i mean in the beginning i did give some stats on washington and how many missing and murdered indigenous women in washington state yeah so i think that i mean it could have been i mean who knows she could have got trafficked Something could have happened to her, but it kind of, I mean, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating that they didn't do enough. The police department didn't do enough for them. Yep. So I just looked up Oso on Google, and it says that the population in 2019 is 326 people. Yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah. Very, very small town. So, I mean, there's not... I bet you it's, like, really, like, wooded areas. It's not, like, out here where it's, like, easy to see. Well, the road she went missing, that fire trail road, is like, got trees all over. It's, like, you look down the road, it's all trees on both sides. Yeah, but also, it's, like, curvy and hilly. Yeah. Kind of, like, makes me think of Quincy, like driving on the uh-huh. road. I read in uh, one of the comments somewhere that it's not walkable, but people still walk it. The FBI is offering a $10,000 reward 
for any information leading to the whereabouts, finding the finding or whereabouts of Mary Johnson Davis. Mary has black hair, brown eyes. She's approximately five foot six, 115 pounds. She has a scar on her upper right nose she had since childhood. And she has a sunburst type tattoo on her upper right arm. And tips can be directed to the FBI field office in Seattle at 206-622-0460 or anonymously at tips.fbi.gov. So this is my theory. My theory is that somebody gave her a ride to Oso because her phone connected there in Oso. And then, and then something happened to her there. Like, either somebody took her, or I don't know what happened. And then and then they said that her phone connected again, like it was shut off for a little bit, and then it came back on later. I feel like whoever took her turned her phone off, and then later on that night, they turned her phone back on. But why would they turn it back on? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that person didn't have a phone, and they needed to use the phone. Oh, but no, they didn't use no, it, it was just powered on? It. it was just powered on. That and, doesn't really make sense. And that one connected to the one that was in Mary's phone. The phone. The last ping was in Marysville. So how so, far away is Marysville from Oso? It's about 30 miles. Oso's 30 miles from Marysville. Around there. And oh, uh, Marysville is right off Interstate 5, right? Yes. So I guess trafficking is, is an option. Yeah, especially in I-5. I mean, it's giant. It's, I want to say it's over a thousand miles, I-5. Yeah, probably more than that. Three different states. Like, from here to, like, Sacramento is, like, 600, 500, 600 miles, so it's at least a thousand. So I looked it up. Interstate 5 is 1,381 miles, and it goes from Mexico all the way up to Canada. I just wish there was more information out there that for her family, I kind of felt like they were just kept in the dark about a lot of it. Like, they said the police weren't releasing information to them and that some of the information they they heard from, like, podcasters and stuff. People, like, reaching out to do stories. And they didn't it's even know horrible. some of the information. That's horrible. Um, it's wrong. I don't know. I wonder. Because it seems like maybe, um, they think maybe her husband, her estranged husband, might have had something to do with it, but then they say maybe trafficking. Like, it, th- those are two compl- way completely different things. Yeah, but like, I mean, her estranged husband was obviously being suspicious by pre-typing his statement and then the same day leaving to California. How do we know he pre-typed his statement? Like, where did that information It come came from the police. That's what the... Oh, so when he showed up to report her missing, he had a statement prepared ready Probably. to go. <laughs> what the heck, huh? Yeah. Who does that? I I really have no idea. Like, I can't right now think of anything that could have happened. I mean, we talked about the weather that they're walking in. I guess the average is in November, like, 57 to 37. It's pretty cold and it rains to be walking in. like 17 days out of the month in November on average. 
the same thing at the like if they think that something happened to her and that she might have gotten killed or something um why haven't they searched like the police haven't searched there's a couple big lakes around there around that area like why haven't they searched the lakes and why haven't they searched the woods and why haven't they searched anything (laughs) why hasn't like I don't know. Maybe it is the jurisdiction thing. They're just trying to, like, or is it like an argument? Well, we can't go on the reservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if they found that her phone's pinged in Oso and Marysville, that's off reservation. Yeah. Don't you think that they need to look into it a little more? Yeah. Obviously they do. <laughs> they need to do something. Mary's sisters, they're looking for answers. They want to find their sister. And they've been reaching out, you know, to social media. They've been reaching out to different platforms. They were on Red Table Talk not too long ago. And on there, they were asked, what do they think, you know, may have happened to Mary? And one of the things that they said was they think she may have gotten trafficked. Wow. Um... So the United States is ranked one of the worst countries in the world for human trafficking. The United States is the number one consumer of paid sex worldwide. Dang. Yeah. You know, um... And it's scary for, especially for us, because we're, I mean, well, not just for us, but for everybody. We're here in San Diego. San Diego's right next to Mexico. When people get trafficked here, they just take them to Mexico right here and just, they're gone scary you know um how all those container boats out in the bay they're talking about how everything's backed up and then you think about like how they smuggle people in here like Mm -hmm. sex trafficking or whatever or immigrants that those boats are just backed up sitting out there and there's gotta be people in there i know i think the same thing like they have to have people on there there. let's swim out there (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> you had a boat. <laughs> um, in 2015, the National Congress of American Indians found that it was estimated 40% of women who are victims of sex trafficking identify as American Indian or Alaska Native oh or First God. Nations. 40%. That's a huge. Yeah. That's a huge number when you're thinking about everybody in the United States. What is our percentage to non-natives in the United States? It's not very big. No. So it's a huge number. Yeah. So they have a billboard along the I-5 near Marysville, Washington, for tips about Mary's whereabouts. While researching this story, um, the, the road that Mary went missing called Fire Trail Road. It was also known as Marine Drive. It's a really old road. Um, Paved or unpaved? It's paved now, um, but it used to be an old road a long time ago that they used to use. Yeah. Um, This road has been called the Marysville Pilchuck Road and was labeled Washington's most haunted street after dark. So only after dark, it's the most haunted. During That's the what day, it said. It's not haunted. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That's what it was labeled as. And I was like, okay. That's kind of... I was wondering, like, what... 
they're the people of the Tulalip Reservation, like what stories they have about this, because I'm sure they have stories and you stuff. Did you find anything about it? No, I mean, I did find a story, a couple stories about it, but it was just a, a lot of the same information. What were they? So I'm going to share with oh, you okay, if you okay. give me a chance. <laughs> Come on, I want to hear it. <laughs> Can't wait. Okay, this, so part of this road is on the Tulalip Reservation. Um, the but the part she went missing on, we don't know because we don't know the spot was, where she went missing. Yeah, and they didn't specify the church that she went missing either. They didn't give the name. And I looked up churches near the road, and there's a couple of them. So I'm Catholic. not sure. I don't know. What's their denomination? I don't know. I'll look up the church. All the specific, specific specify <laughs> Pacific information. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this road is on the northern part of the Tulalip Reservation. So in the early 1920s, its main function was for firefighting. So they'd use that road it's to... like a fire road. Yeah, it was a fire road. Then later, they eventually came a dirt road and then people would use it for, you know, traveling on. And the legend of the old Tulalip Indian chief, this is a story that I found on the, on an article online um, the legend of the old Tulalip Indian chief who had been killed upon the very spot he appears late at night with a lantern to search for his murderers because he was murdered when? we Did, don't know I don't know it doesn't say the second tale was more modern less appealing one night a young man driving the fire trail road had been driving too fast around the, the twisty road mm -hmm. and he went off the road and plunged into a swamp which the fire trail road hooked around and end there by the reservation and the young man had drowned um, after getting trapped in his vehicle his spirit <laughs> roaming the road where he died I believe and, that. Yeah. I do. Do you, do you believe in the water babies? You ever um, heard of them? I haven't heard of them. So I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> well, no. So um, when we when we would camp like up out in the woods a long time ago, you were there. You're probably just too little. But we would always get scared of the water babies because they. Well, people told us that. You would hear a baby crying down by the creek, or like water. Oh, I have. And then you hear it, and you go looking for it, and then they drown you. It's, I mean, similar. Like they're like I believe that like some people are just like stuck in between wherever they died. Yeah, I and believe then, it. Yeah, they get stuck there, and then they just don't cross over, and they might need help crossing over. Maybe. Maybe. That's scary. It's or they just don't want to move on. You know, like. Even like the headless horseman that goes down the creek looking for his head. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> I believe it. So um, other people reported seeing apparitions of Native Americans on the side of the road. They're trying to get their land back. We're trying yeah. to get our land We're back here. We're trying to get our land back. Um, get off my land. When driving on the road, this is another one. This one kind of like scared me because it's one of my biggest fears. Uh, drivers driving on the road look in their rearview mirror and they see a person sitting in their back seat. Yep. 
Then when they turn That's around, actually happened to me before. Nobody's there. Yes. That's happened to me before. It's like my biggest fear. Like I know I always get so paranoid. When I, yeah, and like like turn around and I'm like, oh my god, and turn I get scared. <laughs> I turn on the lights yeah. in the car when I'm driving. So you know what's really road. scary is um, when I was like 18 years old and I was on break from going to college. I would go and work at the casino up where dad dad's from, mm-hmm. and. It's when he lived at the ranch. Well, people don't know where our dad's from. So. Okay, so he's from Orville. Northern California. And, yeah, Northern California, and I worked at their casino, Gold Country Casino. And um, so we we lived, what, like 45 minutes to an hour out in the mountains around the lake. And I worked graveyard. Or no, I worked swing shift. So I would get off at midnight. Yeah. And have to drive to the ranch, which was, what, 45 minutes to an hour? Uh, yeah. All the at way around the lake. Deep, deep in the woods, no power, no neighbors, no anything. Like, there wasn't even a light on when I pulled up to the house. And everybody was sleeping at midnight or, like, 1 a.m. And that was, like, the scariest ride. Like, I wasn't even afraid of, like, all the hillbillies that live out there. Which I should have been because (laughs) I didn't even care, though, because they were my neighbors. I didn't care. But everybody says that you should be afraid of those people instead of the ghosts. And I'm like, nuh-uh. Like, yeah, these are aliens my out here. Like, if they would have just swooped right? down and got me, nobody yeah. would have known. And, like, who knows what else is out there? Like, that land is all old. Yeah. Like, tr- like all the mighty people lived out there. Who knows what happened to them out there? And I drove that, like, by myself. Well, Dad talks about the... He's seen a woman ghost figure on Zinc Road when he's going up to the, the ranch. ranch. And um, he just said he seen her on the side of the road, and she was all white, and you oh could see gosh. through her. And he said he got scared. Heck yeah, <laughs> I'd be so scared. There, because there's nothing out yeah, there. Yeah, there's like, nothing out there. If you see something, and like you wreck, or if you wreck, or if you break down, or Bigfoot comes and tries to talk to you, like there's nobody to call. Like your 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 phone don't work. Your neighbors are miles and miles away. There's nothing out there. It's literally like rocks and trees. Yeah. And Bigfoot. I remember, so at the ranch where my grandparents, this is their land and their house up there, um, we had the generator and I used to go with dad to go shut the generator off and I'd run as fast as I could back because once the generator goes off, the whole house the just whole goes house black. Just down. And you're way out there, there's no electricity out there, just pitch black. And it's so, so quiet so you can hear everything. Pretty sure there's aliens out there. No, there is. I've seen them out there before. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Native Sisters podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook or send us an email at nativesisterspodcast at gmail.com.